This is Local 304, a podcast featuring a far-left Appalachian perspective on news and politics from the Mountain State of West Virginia. We are West Virginians, and we are unapologetically socialist. I'm your host, Wolfman Jack, coming to you from the Purple Grotto on the west side of hip and historic Charleston, West Virginia. It's episode eight, and I'm talking to three of the Charleston six who staged a sit-in last week at Senator Capito's Charleston office. Welcome to the Resistance. Hi there, and thanks for tuning in. You know, healthcare is on everyone's minds right now. As we speak, the Republicans are making deals to try and repeal the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. Republicans backed off last week after announcing that they would try to bring a vote on their own plan before the congressional recess. That didn't happen. And one of the reasons it didn't happen is that Mitch McConnell was unable to secure support from West Virginia Senator Shelley Moore Capito. Capito announced last Tuesday that she would not support the plan because it would hurt West Virginians. This happened just one day after a group of protesters staged a sit-in at her Charleston office that generated a lot of media coverage and thousands of calls. On this episode, I get to talk to three of the protesters, Terry Pickett, Bill Price, and Paul Dalzell. We will talk about how the action went down, but more importantly, what sort of society we are trying to make. I should say that we don't always agree on everything. My views are a bit to the left of theirs, I think. But we do agree that everyone in our state and in our country should enjoy health care as a human right. I think you will enjoy the conversation. But first, the news. As already mentioned, Senate Republicans were unable to secure the votes necessary to repeal Obamacare before the July 4th recess. The new Republican legislation, formerly called the AHCA, now called the BCRA, or the Better Care Reconciliation Act, would result in a rise in insurance premiums and significantly less coverage for most Americans. Or, as Republicans call it, quote, more freedom. Proponents of a statewide single-payer health care bill in California were thwarted last week when Democratic Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon unilaterally decided to take it off the table. Democrats hold super majorities in that state, and advocates had hoped to deliver a single-payer bill to the governor's desk this session. Opponents were quick to point out the significant new spending that would be incurred if the legislation were implemented, while those in favor of the bill pointed out that fewer people would die and go bankrupt. And while we do not like to get sidetracked here on Local 304 with the sideshow that is the Trump presidency, we will note that the president continues to tweet about ratings and popularity like he's running for goddamn prom king. This week's beef was with Mika and Morning Joe. And while it's all so much a distraction, we do hope that the presidency has been finally stripped of any veneer of dignity it might previously have had. And then the American people will see it for what it is. Our suggestion would be to abolish the office entirely or maybe make it ceremonial and let kid president meet with international heads of state. Welcome back. This is Wolfman Jack, coming to you from the Purple Grotto. 
Terry's looking at me funny about that. I, it's my it's my stage persona. Okay, Terry, okay. Wolfman, I bet so, I remember Wolfman Jack. Oh, you know, I, I do too. Believe it or not, I am I am just <laughs> old enough to remember the real Wolfman Jack. So, I think our levels are okay. Um, I'm here with three of the Charleston Six, as Terry identified them. Uh, these folks um, felt strong and strongly enough about um, healthcare last week to stage a sit-in. At least this is half of them. And we'll talk about the other three as well, so they get some due credit as well. Um, a stage a sit-in at Senator Shelley Moore Capito's office here in Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, we're going to talk about that experience and all that sort of thing, but first I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and uh, we're going to check some mic levels when you do that, too. Go ahead. Paul, start. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Paul Delzell. I am a uh, I'm gonna go with a local activist. I'm involved in uh, Unitarian Universalist congregation. Our uh, minister, Kayla Parker, was one of the uh, one that isn't here. One of the the Capito Six and the uh, Charleston Six. <laughs> the Capito Six. No, Capito. I'm being done. Uh, we're, we're so the unity of the group Sorry. has gone away now. Yeah, all right. yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> you can use your name. Um, it's like the Chicago Eight. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, also uh, with the Environmental uh, Council, West Virginia Environmental Council, I was in, involved with Advocates for Safe Water System, which was working on the uh, water company after the chemical spill here in the Kanawha Valley that that contaminated the water. Three hundred thousand people working to get the water fixed there. So that that's what got me uh, flushed into activism. And then I've been in, involved in the uh, in Rise Up pretty much since its formation, also uh, attending meetings and being part of it. Of Rise Up West Virginia. Rise Up West Virginia. And if, if you've listened to this podcast group. before, you'll you'll note there's a theme here. Um, virtually all of us uh, became more politically active after the water crisis uh, happened. That's kind of something that's become a th somewhat of a theme among people uh, who've been on the show before. We're also heavily recruiting Paul. To DSA, he came to our last meeting, but mainly because he was running sound <laughs> at our last meeting. But 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 he's going to be a comrade, whether he wants and, to. Or not. It, it will happen. It I will just happen. haven't signed the form yet. Yeah, yeah, right. So and and he uh, also, I saw that you you uh, responded to the Facebook that you're coming to the next meeting. Yeah, I did right? say that I am coming to the next meeting. Right, what, yeah. what I may well uh, right, cool. uh, make it official at that point. All right, Terry. Oi, um, I'm Terry Pickett. Um, um, I was anointed as a an urban gorilla, and I really, when I was born here, I'm born in Charleston. When there were eighty thousand people, now there are fifty thousand people. Public health has been a concern and care of mine ever since. I can remember, but it became especially so when I lived in Scotland in the early 70s and I got my wisdom tooth pulled for one pound, which was $2.50. And also when I found that my friends there, they had an incredible amount of freedom because of universal health care. They didn't have to stay with their job that they hated because to get insurance. Families weren't bankrupt because of health care. So at any rate, that was one of, so that has been a concern of mine 
forever. And then my husband was uh, Dr. George Pickett. He was state health director in Rockefeller's first administration. And George was like Mr. Public Health. And so being married to him, that just sort of increased my my feeling for my commitment to public health and to all things. And well, the thing is, I at the meeting when we were had our training about sitting in, which was actually very well worth it, we were each asked, why would we be willing to do this? And for me, I hate inequity and unfairness and um, at a visceral level. So this whole thing just seemed very worth it. Right on. Cool. Bill? <clears throat> yeah, so I'm Bill Price. Um, gosh, if you want to go back to activism, I think... I guess I got started uh, because of mountaintop removal coal mining uh, and a flood that happened in my community in Dorothy several years ago, um, and it pissed me off. And that's usually a good reason to get involved in activism is you get pissed off and then you have to figure out what to do uh, about that. Um, so um, spent several years working on that issue. I, my day job is with the Sierra Club here in Charleston. Uh, I work uh, on a lot of coal and water issues, the water crisis, of course, uh, from a few years ago. Um, and I think one of the things that that did, it brought a lot of new activism in, but it also highlighted the fact that here in the city of Charleston, in the capital city, uh, we started seeing water quality issues like that that had been going on in the coal fields right. and in the fracking fields for years and years and years. And so, you know, it... it, it resulted in a lot of activism, not just around Charleston, but all over the southern part of, and the central part of West Virginia. So that's been really great. I think the election then led to a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Healthcare was uh, um, something that I never really had to think about. I'm white. I'm privileged. Uh, most of my most of my life, I've had health care provided by the various employers that I've had, uh, all but for maybe a couple of years when I was doing work on my own. Um, did not was not able to afford to have health insurance. But um, to me, the reason for uh, being involved in this particular uh, battle has to do with, as Terry said, uh, inequity and unfairness, and the fact that health care is a human right. Uh, and not should and should be looked at that way, and not as a privilege that people have to purchase. Right on. Okay, so let's set it up. Does anyone else want to set up kind of the background of the of the actual action, or do you want me to do that, or or for those of you for people who've not not uh, listened to this or aren't aware of the action already? I, I had actually gotten off the plane at after midnight the night before from New Orleans. Um, where I had been to a uh, the UUA General Assembly, so I wasn't much on the planning. I'd been there for a good week, so it was get off the plane, wake up, and jump in. You know, jump into uh, the office. Right. And so, I and I was on the train uh, going to New York City, and my cell phone rings, and it's Kathy, and she says, "Do you still want to get arrested?" <laughs> and, and I said. Sure. And then I told my daughter, who lives in Colorado, and I said, hey, Rach, um, I might be getting arrested. And she says, hey, Mom, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, were you, were you on the planning? I'm trying to think of who all was involved. So in I got a similar call uh, yeah. and, uh, and basically said uh, that I'm interested. This was not my first time participating in civil disobedience. Uh, it was on this issue. Um, 
And I said, sure, uh, tell me more about what the setup is going to be, what the planning is going to be, what the strategy is going to be, a lot of that. And so we attended a couple of meetings. Um, to say I was in on the planning, I think, you know, a lot of the people that were behind the scenes uh, in the action, there were 35, 30? Uh, at least 25. At least 25 yeah, people that were involved, yeah, of course. Right. And, we, you know, we're not going to... I mean, I don't know where this is going, but we're not going to necessarily talk about every one of them. But I think a lot of the planning was done mm -hmm. uh, even prior to having the meeting where we That's all right. said yes and why we were going to do it. Um, so, the, you know, these types of actions, if they're done strategically, have a lot of support work. Sure. So I actually was involved with the planning. <laughs> I felt a little bit of guilt about this. I've, I've told several people this already, but um, Kathy Kunkel, uh, who was on a previous episode, who is kind of the lead organizer, or one of the lead organizers, I guess you should say, with Rise Up West Virginia, also a DSA member, gave me a call and said, uh, we'd like to plan an action uh, between Rise Up West Virginia, uh, West Virginia Citizen Action Group, and uh, DSA. And she said, do you want to get arrested? And I immediately said yes, and we went and had a meeting over on Capitol Street with, over some beers, and kind of we, we kind of bullshitted around a bunch of different ideas some banner drops or some projections or a bunch of different things and then it finally just came down to no this is the thing that's going to uh, get attention and I came home uh, my wife was already in bed and then the next morning I said hey um, I'm going to get arrested just kind of FYI and she said no you're not asshole because <laughs> <laughs> because I'm out of town that week and uh, we've got four kids, and my mother is here watching the kids, and you're not going to do that to my mother while she's here. So I, I, have, I, I have some, I, I don't know, survivor guilt or something uh, from it, but uh, next time there'll be plenty of chances to get arrested, right? Just, just to compare that, I, my wife was in Slovakia, just came back in this evening, so I called her up and said, <laughs> so I'm getting arrested on civil disobedience, and she says, Okay. <laughs> Not surprised. Sure, sure. So yeah, I I had a phone call from uh, one of the organizers, Emma, Emily, and and she said, um, "We're not sure who all's going to be with you. You know, who all's going to be doing it. But would you would you be interested in a civil dis act of civil disobedience? And it would probably result in arrest." And and she said, "What we know, I know that." Uh, Again, Kayla Parker and that uh, Reverend Jim Lewis are going to be a part. And I said, sure. And she said, so you want to think about it overnight? And I said, no, I'm, I'm in, yes. Yeah. It, it, was, it was instant. So Bill's been, have you been arrested before? For, yes. Okay, so Bill's been arrested before. Um, Terry, how about you? No, but I've had anti-war leaflets thrown in my face. Okay, so, uh, and... <laughs> And Paul, have you been arrested for anything like this? I've not been ever arrested before. No, okay, just, right. uh, just visiting. So, yeah. gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so this was a new thing. So this was a brand new experience for me because I, I was involved in some of the planning again. Not to, I, I'm not saying that to shine a light on me because obviously you're the reason that we're you're the reason you're the guests here, and not me talking about this. But the thing that I was so impressed with <clears throat> is that people who have a lot of um, Experience with this type of thing uh, have a lot of there's a lot of deep planning that goes on with this, and I was extremely uh, impressed uh, by this. Um, and uh, so, this podcast is probably going to go out on the fourth of July or maybe on the fifth of July. Uh, and there, I do know there are some actions being planned on the sixth of July 
uh, by DSA chapters across uh, the nation that are kind of similar actions. Um, <clears throat> they're not being quiet about it. We were relatively quiet about the planning of this. They're not being quiet about it at all, so good luck to them. Uh, but uh, one of the things I, I would impress on anyone who wanted to do this is, as you said, there was you know, 25 or 30 people involved with this. So there were six of you who, um, who got arrested, who went in to sit in. Uh, in addition to you, there was uh, Joe Solomon, uh, great guy. He was in Ohio today, and I, I think just needed some time to decompress as well. So uh, he's not here with us. Uh, some people may have seen him uh, on the uh, phone call with Bill arguing with Sen- Senator sure. Manchin. Sure, and actually, 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 I think right. on the second episode, I featured that audio. Yeah. Uh, so you may have, uh, some if you've listened to any of the show before, you may have heard uh, Joe and uh, maybe Bill, too, arguing with uh, Senator Manchin uh, about this issue, actually. Well, actually, he wasn't arguing with Senator Manchin. <laughs> Senator right. Manchin was arguing with him. That is right. <laughs> True. That's absolutely correct. I was just trying to get Senator Manchin to come out and yeah, yeah. Right, town hall. Yeah. Right, right. right. Yeah. right. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Kayla Parker, Kayla Parker. Uh, the uh, uh, Unitarian Universalist Congregation minister here in town and, and to her credit she's a she's a brand new Charlestonian brand new West Virginian okay, moved here in September here and, in September. and uh, just graduated from Yale uh, this spring before so, so wow. had she been arrested wow. before anyone knows? no she has not this I'm, was a I'm pretty brand new experience I'm pretty her. confident Joe's been arrested yeah. a few times possibly yes. so um, <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, 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 Reverend uh, Jim, Jim Lewis, Jim Lewis yeah. uh, who is a Charleston fixture Although he was away for a while, was well, he's he? not so, from here. He was here. He's in the, been here. Yeah, yeah, he was, in, he was sure. in the seventies here right. at the height of the um, right. A lot of protests, the textbook stuff. Textbook and wars. He was yeah. also one of the originators of, I think, the Covenant. It was mm-hmm. Manamils or Covenant well, House both. or both. Both. Yeah, and so it, Charleston back then was a real hotbed right. of stuff. Right. Yeah. So um, these are folks who are both new and seasoned uh, at doing this sort of thing. But I was just very impressed. Uh, with how deep the planning went. Um, there, there were two different run-throughs, one uh, several days before and one the morning of, wh- where we walked through. Now, some of you weren't, I, were any of you there for the first one? I don't think. I think that was mostly yeah, for, I mean, Bill. I was okay. there for the first Yeah, so um, kind of doing a run-through, and there were different teams. Uh, it was kind of a two-part action. We had an outside protest uh, as well. We had about 75 folks mm-hmm. who turned mm-hmm. out uh, for the protest outside in support of that. But everything from scouting the location to jail support to all of those sorts of things, I was I, I, I have to admit, it was very much like a bank robbery. Like it felt very much like oh we're like in Ocean's Twelve or something, like planning all of this sort of thing. But which and then it ended up being uh, I, I wasn't inside, but it seemed like relatively low key. Uh, it was, uh, it was yeah. totally. So uh, talk us through it through it and uh, tell us. Uh, what happened from kind of start to finish and and by the way if you've not seen the video uh, from it I'm trying to think did Rise Up West Virginia is there it is on Rise Up West Virginia's uh, Facebook page page. yes Mm -hmm. yeah uh, Rise Up West Virginia I I know both CAG and DSA tweeted it out and put it on their Facebook page Uh, and it got 90 100,000 views something like that Um, the one on on Facebook is about a half a million over a half a million oh wow so Okay, yeah. so it's yeah. been seen by some people. Which, which I was going to say, it, it, almost a three-part um, tactic on this. There, there was the rally outside, there was the internal, but then that, and which produced mm-hmm. so many phone calls, the phones were ringing off the hook the whole time we were there. I'm certain D.C. office, you know, her office in D.C. was yeah, also... We, tr- we tried calling several times, and a, a couple times I got through, 
and then a couple times the lines were busy or even just no one answering or whatever mm-hmm. whatever happened there. So that did produce a lot of phone calls. Uh, and we should say, just from the outset, to her credit, Senator Capita the next day released a public statement saying that she was not going to support the current version. I, I'm sorry, I don't give her a whole lot of credit. No, but but I do want to... Li- I'm yeah, on this. And, and Terry, I'm pretty sure I'm to the left of you, so I'm not going to be a Senator Capito cheerleader. However, <laughs> however, uh, I am thankful that she did not yeah, vote she, to she, take uh, health care from 180,000. Well, that, that's because there wasn't a vote. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but she did. She did come out and say that she, she wouldn't would be supporting support it. Now she came uh, out after the vote was. But what you predicted, <laughs> yeah, Bill predicted true. that we were talking about mm-hmm. that, and you predicted she would do that. Well, it, Again, not to give her too much credit, but probably in fairness, it's probably fair to say that Mitch McConnell just knew he didn't have the votes at at some point. That's right. And so she's walking a tightrope there between not pissing off a whole lot of West Virginians and also still maintaining that inner circle with Mitch McConnell and placating her party. Right. Yes. Exactly. So she's she's doing that business. So, and again, not to give her not to give her too much credit, but we are thankful that she uh, that she did not uh, voice support for that. Yeah. <laughs> Terry said this glaring look here. No, I will give her. She I'm did not vote for, for Senator that. Capita. The question is, what is she going to do now? Right, right, exactly. Because they pulled that vote. Yeah. That, right. That's done. And now, what is she going to do as right. these, these right. negotiations come yeah. out? And she needs to stand, you know, stand right. firm with that. Yeah, that I don't have Nobody really knows. confidence yeah. in. Right. So tell us a little bit about somebody talk <clears throat> us through uh, what, what the whole. Of course, the video is out there. But for those who didn't, just kind of briefly tell us what happened. Well, as as the uh, part of the planning, each uh, there were different roles. I was the man holding the shaky phone and and live streaming it. Um, Bill was the spokesperson for the um, staff, and then Reverend Lewis was the spokesperson if, if and when police or security showed up. So, and then uh, Joe was sort of yeah, the, the the traffic manager, the project coordinator. Um, I think Kayla was like for singing. She has a gorgeous voice. Was sort of leading us in songs, mm-hmm. and then I was the media contact to talk to the media. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> you walked in. Were you nervous? Always nervous before these mm-hmm. things, just because you don't know what you're walking into. Uh, we had had a scout that yeah. had said, "Looks like everything. There's no security around. You should not be DSA stopped." DSA coach here, Becca Holler. She yes. has a scout. There you go. She took her. She took her uh, small child in with her to, to scout the place. Oh, oh okay. And so That's we scout. were not sure if we would be able to walk in right. without it being buzzed in. It turned out the door was unlocked and we walked <clears throat> in. Immediately interacted with one of their staff people and said, you know, want to let you know we're here to see the senator. Well, the senator's not here. She's already in D.C. and all this. That's said, not true. So, like, so she just put her on a plane. Is you know, she just put her on a plane. That, she had that been morning. at an event with yeah, Ann Barth and, and women in technology, and she had been there with Ann Barth, and, right. Right. which right. she had imposed herself, by the way. Ann Barth didn't even know she was going to be there until the day before. <laughs> just, just a little. Thing. So, so anyway, Terry's not a fan. <laughs> so, anyway, we. Uh, uh, we pretty quickly uh, said to the staff person, well, just so you know, we have committed to staying here until the senator agrees to vote no on the current bill. 
and when she makes that public statement, then we'll be like, happy to leave. Until then, we're, we're staying. And in the meantime, everyone else was unfurling this banner that you can see on the video in clear right. um, um, behind me and saying, you know, this is what we're going to be doing. Um, the uh, comment from the staff person was, well, when they close the building, you're going to have to leave. And I said, well, we're, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to <laughs> it. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, you know, waited till one of the other the state director came out and Mary you know, Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth, and she talked to us for a bit and we said that's fine, but we're not leaving. And so we sit. So then what happened? Oh, okay. So then what happened? We got a call. It's a they got a call. Somebody comes out at around two thirty said that Capito. Her office was calling from D.C. and wanted to talk to one person. And so we sort of conferred about, well, what should we do about that? And we decided only if she would be live streamed. Nice. And so, nice. at any rate, and then before she, and then she had to get permission, Mary Elizabeth, but even before that, she said, and if you talk to the senator, do you, then you all will go home, won't you? And we said, well, we'll have to talk about that. And then we said, well. If she says no. If, if, yeah, we said, if she, if she says, says no, we'll, we'll go home. No, yeah. so, but basically, but then she went and asked Senator Capito if she would be live streamed, and she would not be live streamed. Yeah, she learned after watching Joe's video. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. And, and, and so that was it. That broke things up, and and then the manager came in. I guess at about and he, yeah, the he building told manager. Us, he's not a big fan. Uh, yeah, and he told us he that, chased us off the he, property he, out front. Really? Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. nice. So we were on the yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. it's a it's a bank building, mm -hmm. so yeah, we would be surprising. At one point, we were told that we were disturbing. I think it was forty some businesses. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How if we stayed, we well, if we stayed, we would have. Congratulations, yeah. well done. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to move this conversation to about why you did this thing and why healthcare is important and why this was important enough to get arrested. We're going to talk about the actual arrest, too. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. should say here uh, the uh, I, I told them I would do this beforehand because I want them to feel free to express themselves but my opinions are not necessarily theirs theirs are not necessarily mine so I want to make sure they feel free to just say whatever they want to talk real briefly about the rest itself and then I would like to talk a little bit about well actually a whole lot about why this issue is important to you personally and why it's important to West Virginians and and everyone in the United States. However, before we do that, can sure. I say a fun thing? So, okay, so we get arrested, and we, we get incarcerated, and so we finally get free. So I go home, and I have company staying, and I tend to watch Rachel Maddow and on MSNBC. I turn on the TV set of Rachel Maddow, and there we are. <laughs> it just started with the banner that we got, the wrong banner 
from yeah. the, the, the guy from Did Utah. Did they ever figure out who who sent that? Who did the? It basement? wasn't any of us. It, it wasn't indivisible. Us. I had heard. <laughs> I, I I don't. It wasn't any of the local individuals. But it wasn't any of this. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't us. So, it wasn't a local so, individual. So, so, so then they so then they showed us at the beginning in Capito's office, and then they go to protests all over the country, mm-hmm. and then they come back. They close with us, mm-hmm. and and there we are. There we are, and on Rachel Maddow. So to be clear, you were you were arrested for basically trespassing because yes. they were shutting the building down. Yeah, right. So they take you out. They get these great pictures, by the way. Like the front page of the Gazette Mail the next day was uh, Jim Lewis in his clerical collar. Uh, being taken out. So they well, just took it um, where across the street. Well, they they did handcuff us, and then uh, um, down in the lobby, we rode the elevator down, and and uh, it, then the the mayor gave them a call and said, "Why don't you will you tell them that if they just walk out now without handcuffs on, I'll have them on the radio show the next morning." Now I did see him earlier on. He was across the street during the protest. He did. Oh join- really? Yeah, he didn't join our protest for whatever reason. Yeah. And, um, hmm. um, but he did talk about it extensively on his radio show the next morning. Um, and and had some very disparaging comments to make. Uh, well, he, he made some comments on the live stream also um, okay. that he sent in and, and said that uh, I just caught a few of them because I'm mostly looking at the screen. The, you know that that I'm the, on the, uh, the viewfinder aspect of it, but some did pass out, pass you know, and jump on. And he said this was a disgrace to the city, um, and a waste of time. He said a disgrace to the city. So I, I mean, I can't help but think that that the mayor would also think, you know, if it were 1968 and there were civil rights protesters, he would find that equally uh, disgraceful. The, so the next morning on his show, uh, he he opined that uh, this was. Just some troublemakers who were who lived over in Commie Village, as he called the entire East End. He did later clarify, and I was highly offended personally. I, I live on the west side of Charleston. I was highly offended that, that the East End was designated as Commie Village um, instead of the west side. But um, but Commie Socialist Square, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So uh, Commie Village down there in the East End, and then he clarified later. That no, it it wasn't the entire East End. It was mostly the folks uh, down in Arlington Court um, who uh, hang out at Taylor Books, uh, you know, uh, t- t- having discussions. Just, late at night ex- kind of ex- thing, and so. Taylor Books, they were offended because at Taylor Books, I said, no, this goes on at the Empty Glass. Personally, personally, I imagine the mayor is threatened by any bookstore in his yeah. in his uh, city. <laughs> so. To me, what the mayor said, I mean, I thought it was funny that he thought we could get, he could divert us from what we had already said numerous times that we were committed to doing by some appearance on his radio show the next morning because I'm like, okay, does he think this radio show is so important that we'll give up? You know what we've committed to doing, and the reasons that we're doing it to just be on his radio show. Yeah. And then I just think you know the mayor's comments are pretty irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I had just looked at at you know well over hundred and fifty k views on that live stream. Right. So you know I'm giving him that much publicity. No, sure. um, yeah. you know we no, we so had a better viewership so than so he has a listener. Yeah. I was actually I was actually bothered too that one of the that one of the police spokespeople and I can't remember if it's the police chief or not um, said 
they would rather be patrolling the west side. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, for those of you who are not from Charleston, that's a little dog whistle uh, there about what the west side is where, uh, where, over where I yeah. live. But, all right, so let's, um, let's talk about why this was important enough for you to do. And I, I just want to give each one of you a chance. You've kind of already talked a little bit about why this is important. Um, but, but talk a little bit about uh, health care for everyone and, and why that's something. Because you weren't just, you're not just interested in stopping this dumpster fire of a Republican bill. Um, you all want to see health care for all of your fellow West Virginians and, and your fellow Americans. Uh, and uh, I, I guess that's what people who live over in Commie Village want. So uh, talk a little bit about why that's important to you personally or just generally or whatever you want to say. I'm, I'll start because mine is, is really brief. It's life or death. Um, it is life or death for West Virginians. It's life or death for Americans across the nation. Um, the uh, From people that, that are on Medicaid, who many of them are working West Virginians and working Americans, on up to the, uh, you know, the, the terrible thing about this bill itself is the uh, one, of, one of the many. Um, speaking of this one particularly, uh, the job loss, we're, we're looking at about 1,100 healthcare jobs in rural West Virginia. 10,000. 10, 10, I'm sorry, I, I mean, yeah, almost 11,000. And that, that uh, healthcare... Uh, Clinics and small hospitals and doctors will get shut down. For, so, for, yeah, so for there's that. For anyone who's not listening, who's not, or for anyone who's listening, rather, uh, who's not from West Virginia, healthcare is one of the biggest employers in the state. Right. Yes. Uh, in, in addition to the enormous number of West Virginians who need healthcare. But. So, so rural West Virginians will both lose healthcare when those places are closed down, and over ten thousand people will lose their jobs. So there, there is that. And then with this bill, um, the elderly, their bills will go up five times or could go up, could be charged five times what they are now or what they were under the, under the ACA and that uh, um, obviously if the insurance companies can charge that much, they will charge that I, much. And I think, I think it's a fair I think the, uh, the CBO came out and said that basically everybody's health care is going to go up. Right. I mean it's not even if you keep your health care, even if you're fortunate fortunate enough to have employer uh, employer supplied health care that you are going to see an increase in your health care premiums if for those of you who are complaining about Obamacare and I would be one of them uh, complaining about the the rise in health care premiums among certain people that needs fixed I think most people agree that needs fixed um, but that's not going to get fixed by this uh, most of us that's are right. going to see an increase in our health care premiums so yeah so life or death and then well the, the one thing if you just want to look at it in self-interest it's economically better for us. I went to a breakfast thing with Ted Bettner's Center for Budget and Policy. And one of the worst things for the West Virginia economy is the poor health of West Virginians. And because there's a jobs lost, you know, days lost, people can't work, all kinds of stuff. So besides life and death, which it is, CHIP, like in America, in West Virginia, we have got one of the best CHIP children's health insurance programs in the country, 97% coverage of children right now. If this were enacted, don't know if, I think I talked to Sharon Cart, who headed up our CHIP program and made it one of the most successful, that we would lose at least 23% of Medicaid funding, which would put thousands of our children at risk. Now, uh, at CAG or somebody had had a rally where they had said, 
51% of kids could lose some benefits. Sharon didn't say that high. Okay. I, I, I don't know, but but she said the, the medication, she didn't want to say any numbers because she wasn't sure. And I figured if anybody would know, Sharon would and, know. Yeah. To be clear, some of the numbers are kind of iffy just because it's hard to get hard But data. what isn't iffy is 170,000 West Virginians would lose Medicaid. They would lose health care. Now, see, I've heard... Well, it could be more. I've or heard, more. Yeah, I've heard... I, I, I pressed uh, Stephen Smith about this one, and he got back to me and said the, the tightest number he didn't want to commit to was 180,500 and, 180, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, people. Uh, but I've heard every number from 124 all the way up to about 200,000. I've never heard it as low as 124. There's some meme going around, and I think that sounds low, too. Uh, but I have heard that. Yeah. Uh, but anyone who thinks 124,000 people losing yeah. their health care is acceptable... I don't know what you're thinking. But. but it would be better for our whole economy if we had health care for all in the United States, in, in West Virginia, and in the United States. So whatever you think, if you don't care about people dying, being sick, whatever, you should at least care that your economy right. could be better. Right. And so, so there are just so many reasons why universal health care is essential, yeah. I think. Yeah, for me, I mean, I think we have to be careful that we got, not get lost in the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, 120,000, 180,000. Um, to me, it doesn't matter if between those as much as no one should be denied health care right. uh, and health insurance. And no one should go bankrupt because they can't pay their medical bills. Right. No one uh, should be denied uh, care uh, because they don't have medical insurance. Um, to me, what happened, uh, I already knew this sort of intellectually and then got into the action and started reading the stories. And to me, it was about the individual stories that were collected. Um, a woman, and I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but a woman uh, had needed a heart doctor. Oh, yeah. Oh, my and God. And could not, was denied access to a heart doctor. Come yeah. on. As a society, we don't treat people that way. Right. We shouldn't treat people that yeah, way. Unfortunately, we do, we do but we should not treat way. people that yeah. way. Uh, there was another mm-hmm. person who uh, worked 40 hours a week in a full-time job, could not afford uh, health care. You know, people have this misconception of, of people who are on ACA or Medicaid or Medicare or, you know, any of the uh, programs that you know they're a bunch of lazy people and you know they don't work and they don't they don't contribute to society but what the vast majority of people who are who are whose health care is threatened by this uh, are working uh, uh, middle class uh, uh, poor uh, you know these are the people we have working to, poor not working poor yeah. we have to make a decision in this country of whether or not we are going to step up to the, what the rest of the world is doing and say we care about our people enough to make sure no one is denied access to medical care that they need. Yeah. Uh, th- this goes to, I was looking earlier, and I'll, I'll, I'll cut it at this, but I was looking looking up earlier. You can preach on. The one thing that got me is, you know, again, I'm privileged. I've had health 
care, health insurance, uh, and have never been denied any amount of health uh, access to a doctor that I needed. My wife, before she got onto my plan, uh, had to go through the uh, uh, Obamacare ACA exchange program to get on that. She started calling doctors because she moved from Kentucky over to West Virginia. She started calling doctors to see about you know where she could go get a doctor at, and they said, "Oh well, you know we don't take uh, Obamacare. We don't take uh, the ACA." And I was like, "Really? Seriously?" A doctor who practices in the state of West Virginia should be forced to, and I, yeah, I use the word forced. Sure. They should be obligated to take any insurance that's out there and should be obligated that if they don't have insurance, they still have to provide the care. Yeah. So I, the, uh, I'm sure most of you, most people could tell these health horror stories all day. And I, for me, two of the people already mentioned Becca. Uh, and she's a very private person. I don't know if you all know Becca very well, but she's a very private person. And for her to speak out about this issue, we had a healthcare town hall that Rise Up organized over at Shiloh Baptist, and she spoke about her own personal issue, and it was just very moving to me. I think of my friend Dave Smith. Um, some of you will know that he uh, presented uh, the invitation to. Uh, uh, governor or to Senator Manchin, rather in Washington D.C. to come to the town hall. Dave was first in the class of 469 at, at uh, Woodrow Wilson High School in Beckley. I've known him since I was nine years old, and he uh, was diagnosed with Crohn's uh, when he was 17 um, because he and actually other siblings of his were as well. Um, and he believes very strongly that's because they had well water and drank basically mine runoff. Bill, tying back to the issue that you mm-hmm. about water and how central that is, of course, to public health as well. Um, but he's convinced that that's what it was. He went to Harvard. I mean, he was first in our class, went to Harvard. Is brilliant. Is one of the most brilliant minds I know and did not have any health care until the ACA. Uh, and, and that you have these people who are... Uh, and, and let me be clear about this. I don't think you have to be brilliant or first in your class to deserve health care. But, you know, this narrative that we have that, although, although I will say I don't really understand the narrative of all these lazy bums, they just want to live. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they just want to see a doctor. Like, you know, like, you, you know, you have the, you know, the, the, and I think it's a bullshit narrative too, where people are like, oh, these SNAP benefits and stuff. Oh, you go down to Kroger and the, you know, the welfare queens are getting, you know, shrimp and steaks. And I think that's bullshit anyway. But like with healthcare, I don't even know what the argument is. You know, I saw this poor person and, you know, they were getting dialysis. <laughs> like, you know, like what is it you even imagine the, uh, these people are are doing? Are these crazy elective surgeries? Can I get cancer so I can get health exactly. insurance? That's exactly. bullshit. Exactly. It is. It is. It's, yeah. It does come down, though, to the this basic idea of what do we think the whole social project is about. Is it about... Um, we're living in a general social contract where we agree to live socially. And it's weird to me. I, I, I mean, I'm very far to the left. I'm guessing a lot of people listening to this are very far to the left. So that, it's a weird thing anyway. I, like, you know, when you, people obsess about whatever, private property and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you say to them, well, you wouldn't have private property if there weren't government, which oh, is yeah. true. <laughs> you know, I, but, like, people get real obsessed about this. I did it myself, and which, which is, is just wrong. It's just complete bullshit. No one has, has done anything by themselves. Like, that's just right. not a thing. And so the question is, do you want... 
you actually want to see your family and friends and neighbors be sick, or do you want to see them be well? My concern, my concern is not is not just about yeah. activism because I think you have people who are like me who are just kind of manic and have all this fucking energy and just want to go do that stuff. But but are the people that I live next door to, who are normal working West Virginians who work, you know, 50, 60 hours a week on t- at two jobs and have two kids, a single parent, and they can't even keep up with who they should vote for and all of that sort of thing. And, and you know, we're dealing here with the opioid crisis, with the heroin crisis that we have here, all of these things. And my concern is, can we... Can we organize those people? Can we mobilize those people uh, to vote in their own self-interest? To not even just vote, but to but to be involved in the process. And do they perceive their self-interest like you perceive their self-interest? I wouldn't. Don't don't sure. don't think that they do. They might believe it or not. Some people could really surprise you. And and, and I think you need if if you're going to try and get people to act in what we perceive as their self-interest, we need to know. If that is how people perceive their own self-interest, Helps. so mm-hmm. we're going to wrap up a little bit because we're we've got plenty of material but, here. But Bill, be, Bill, oh, sorry, Bill, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say that I think a lot of the discussion is around. You know, we we seem to think that there's an everybody pulls themselves up. It's an individualistic uh, attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to use the word Jack dear to your heart. I'm sure is collectivism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's about community. It is. Uh, but I think if we also, we need to quit making assumptions about the Trump voter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there are certain elements within the Trump voters, whatever, whoever that is, that we are probably, you know, are, are racist and sexist and all those things. Sure. But I think the disenfranchisement is what uh, showed up. Um, you know they were disinf- they didn't want Hillary. Um, I think a lot of pe- a lot of people who wanted Bernie didn't think he was going to be able to get the things done that he wanted to do. But most people just feel like nobody listens to them. Right. And Trump came in here and said, "I'm listening to you." It was bullshit. It was bullshit. <laughs> but, Bill, uh, you're going to be surprised to learn that you're about the fourth person <laughs> on one of these podcasts. Who has given this exact analysis oh, okay. of it? Okay, cool. No, no, it's I think true. it's. No, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good that, to yeah. see you that it's in good company. Uh, I go back to for me, this is about inequity. If I have a million dollars, I can buy health insurance and I can buy anything I want to do. If I have no money at all, that's a shutout for me, and doesn't make one life more important than the other one. Right. And when we have equity, we'll have health care for all. Uh, so that I have access, I'm not refused the doctor's care, and I don't have to go bankrupt in order to pay for the medical bills. Right on. I agree with you entirely. Yeah, there, there, there was one story, and I wish I could remember it better, that we read also that was another one that uh, struck me. I think ending on one of the stories isn't a, isn't a bad well, idea. I've got one thing and, after you finish your story. Okay, so. the, the, uh, and it was about a mother who, who had to give up health her health care for her daughter. She had serious problems and she had to decide whether to take care of her own health or take care of her daughter's health. They only had X amount of money to be able to put into their uh, their care. So she, um, her daughter needed an operation, I think it was, um, and, and she forego her own 
um, poor goat. She she gave for up win. not for getting for wins. Uh, um, her own uh, health care, um, so that her daughter could get hers. And and uh, again, that situation, you know, to be in that decision. Well, do I get sick and potentially right. die, mm-hmm. or do I take care of my daughter? I know any parent would Sophie's of course choice. do that second, but still, yeah. yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap up with the last question I ask all my guests. Last two questions I ask all my guests. If you believe in God, if you go to no, the no, early no. gates, what do you want? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Last two questions, and I'll let you think about it for just a second. What do you love about living in the 304, and what do you hate about living in the 304? You can you can flip those if you want to. Anyone who wants to go first. What do you love about living here, and what do you hate about living here? Or you can flip those and okay. say what I hate and what I love. Terry, go ahead. The, the apathy. This is the hate? The hate. Yeah. I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, when we came back, we, my husband and I came back to West Virginia in 1997, and I just felt hit in the face with this apathy and, and that people just weren't doing, you know, like even, well, at the mansion town hall even, it was almost too polite, and that uh, too polite, too polite, okay. almost. Yeah, it, um, not quite. But yeah, I mean, I'm all for civility, but yeah, there could have been a little bit more rabble rousing. But what I love about West Virginia is it's just very real. It's um, one of the most like we lived in Alabama and uh, um, for six years, and down south. Sorry for Alabamian friends, but it was almost like people there. It was like overripe fruit. It was too sweet. And well, actually, I love the north. <laughs> and um, but but West Virginia, there is something just. It, 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 it's it's not false. I mean, there's just there's a reality to West Virginia. Anyway, that's what that's what nice. like, besides this being beautiful. Nice. Hmm? Yeah. What I hate about West Virginia is the hundreds of years of oppression yeah. by variety of industries, the coal industry, the natural gas industry, the extractive industries in, in general. Um, and it's, and that, the, that oppression has kept West Virginia and West Virginia from reaching its full potential. Mm. What I love about West Virginia is that people are, sh- are fucking tired of that, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and are taking over. And so you can't find better people than we have here in West Virginia. And I I I I have faith in the people of West Virginia to step up and stand up and take over. Right on. Um, what I hate is, uh, just as Bill said, although the government being in collusion with those extractive industries from timber to um, on, on up to the uh, gas industry now, the fracking industry now. Um, and I'll echo the, the people, although I'm, I'm a huge fan of Charleston, West Virginia. Um, we have a uh, wonderful... Um, Nightlife and scene, or just just uh, um, activities. There's great music scene here. There's uh, uh, several great art galleries and an art walk every, every um, once a month. We have. Uh, um, there is not. If you want to go out, you have to decide what you don't want to do, not 
what is there there to do tonight. You have to decide what it is you don't want to do so you can go do some more fun stuff. There's always something going on. And that's through a weeknight. And uh, whether it's a stroll through the downtown to Taylor Books, so maybe you know, give me a cut here. <laughs> they, um, those guys, they need to they need to underwrite this. They, they should. That, uh, um, <laughs> or... or uh, you know what? What have you? I mean, we have free live music. We have free art shows. The and, but the people are are fantastic. But I, I uh, you know, we've got a internationally broadcast live radio show on you know on um, often um, on on Mountain public State. radio Mountain Stage. So. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Charleston people, and honestly, the uh, Stephen Smith and and I didn't know the other other gentleman, but uh, wrote an uh, op-ed a few months ago about. Uh, it's a great place to come if you want to be an activist. And I think, yeah, if you want to be a change maker, Charleston is a place you can do it. Um, there were uh, something that came to me right after the action that uh, former. Unitarian well, still Unitarian Universalist minister. He's retired no. now. Mel Hoover said that uh, um, as West Virginia goes, so goes the nation, and the, this past election helped show that. I'll off, I've often said that this is a place that a small handful of people can make a huge difference. And when you add those two things together, you—that's what happened last Monday. Right on. That's a great place to end. Absolutely. Small group of people making a big difference. Let's hope it can And now we people. want a big, big group, group of people. people to make a big <laughs> Absolutely. difference. Absolutely. Well, Paul, Terry, Bill, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Jack. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thank you. Good and take care. Thank All right. You. Thanks. Not a lot of announcements for you today. Uh, mainly want to let you know about the next meeting of the Kanawha Valley Democratic Socialist of America. That is Thursday, July 13th at 7 p.m. at the West Virginia State University Economic Development Center over on Kanawha Boulevard. As always, new members and guests are welcome. We're going to have Kathy Kunkel, one of our own and an occasional contributor to Jack and Men magazine. She's been on the podcast as well who's going to be uh, starting our Socialism 101 series, talking about how you build power. So again, that's Thursday, July 13th at 7 p.m. over at the uh, uh, West Virginia State EDC. Afterwards, we will be drinking socially over at the Copper Pint. Hope that you can make it. You can follow us on Twitter at KVDSA. That's KVDSA over on Twitter. We love seeing all those roses over there. And we hope that you'll like us on Facebook. Kanawha Valley Democratic Socialists of America on Facebook. That's it for this week, folks. You can send questions and comments to KanawhaValleyDSA at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-A-W-H-A Valley DSA at gmail.com. All opinions expressed are solely those of the show's producer. That's me. Our closing credits music is by those undead sons of Appalachia. The big bad. Until next time, this is Wolfman Jack reminding you to resist, organize, and join your local union. Shut the signal!